Sometimes we have to learn how to just, um, which I'm learning still today, to, I can't let uh, my work problems and different things affect my worship or affect my, how I go about the things for God. I've been learning that even the more um, that, you know, it's not about the music, it's not about, you know, who's up speaking, but, you know, a child can teach us. Amen. So we have to have that same enthusiasm if it was if, if, if it was God himself in here teaching and preaching. And it's not saying that for myself tonight. But I, I um, <clears throat> have, I believe I have a word. If you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3. And uh, I guess I'm struggling with this because this is one of those things that you uh, try to understand and why God would lead you this way when the overseer asked me to speak. But before overseer asked me to speak, three weeks prior, I was standing right back there where Sister Ricky at on Saturday morning prayer. And the Lord began to speak in my spirit to write. And I wrote these scriptures down on this paper. I took up a piece of paper there from the back and wrote down what I believe the spirit was saying. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes the word may seem hard or why would you say that? But the Lord spoke into my spirit to make a long story short is that the Lord said the next time you stand up to speak, I want you to speak these words and don't be afraid but speak what I placed in your heart. And <clears throat> I fought it and fought it all week long or two weeks. I just thought it was for me because how many know that suggestions can come into your mind? It can cause you to go opposite of the way God wants you to go. Amen. It starts with a suggestion. And we know that in Genesis chapter three, uh, verses four through seven, it starts with Eve, right? When, with, with, with Satan, Satan just gave her a thought. And what happened? We are in the state that we are in today because of a suggestion that the enemy made to, to Eve. So I begin to just ponder, God, what are you saying? And the Lord said, write this down. He says, no more evil thoughts. Cast it down. Every evil thought we, would, we want you to cast down in the name of Jesus. And that led me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I mean, chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Casting down every evil thought to allow God to work in our lives to remove the limits of what God can do. Lord, we thank you for this word on tonight. God, I decrease that you may increase. I pray that I move out of the way. And you just speak through me on tonight to encourage all of us as we enter into 2019 God, in my spirit, I believe, God, you want to change our thinking. You want to change our thought pattern. Oh, God, you want to do some things in us, oh, God, that you placed in us. But we have to begin with our mind, God. We have to begin to guard our mind, guard our hearts against the enemy, that we can be used for your glory, not to bring glory to ourselves, but to be used for your glory. We thank you, Lord, for we will war differently. We will not war in the, the, the spirit, in the flesh, but we will have war in the spirit. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.
And amen, you may be seated. And as stated, I was standing back there and I wrote this down. And when God told me to, uh, he brought confirmation. And it was so weird. As I looked out the window, as I finished writing, and I said, Lord, you got to give me confirmation. But what I just wrote down. And I began to look out that window, and I looked out that window, and I saw two doves flying. And I was like, hmm, that's strange. Why are two doves flying around the church? You don't see doves. It's not an everyday bird. <laughs> Amen. Um, and I said, okay, God. And then the Lord said, <laughs> said this to me. Uh, write this down. He says that the, the Holy Spirit hovers over this house. We must learn to tap in to the Holy Spirit that is resting on this house. The Holy Spirit is not just for the pastors and the leadership, but it's for us to tap into as well. And to prove what God was saying to me when I walked out the door, it was seagulls on the roof lined up. And the Lord spoke in my spirit, you saw what you, you, you heard and you saw what I needed you to hear and see. Those were doves flying around the church. And I began to say, Lord, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because we need the Holy Spirit because we have to change our war tactics. Amen. And I've been, I've been struggling with this. Lord, what are you saying to my heart? And he's been t telling me, and I know Overseer and Pastor will have the word for us going into next year. But what he told me is that we got to war differently. We have to start strategizing to get the victory. We can't keep getting the victory the same way we got it yesterday because the devil is shrewd and he's smart. Just like David, when David uh, went back to fight the Philistines in the, the battle of Ziglag, when he went back to fight them the second time, God told him to win the battle one way, but the second time he said, I need you to go around the backside if he never went back to God to get direction, he would have went back to fight the battle the same way he fought it the first time, and he would have lost because the, the men wasn't there. They had moved to a whole new location, and God instructed David where to go and where to fight. Amen? And the thief in John 10.10 10 tells us that he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, and I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I believe the devil has stole for the last time. Amen. He stole our joy for the last time. Amen. He has taken our health for the last time. Amen. See, you got to must you got to believe this in your spirit. If you don't believe it in your spirit, I'm just up here mumbling and jumbling and you waiting for the next 59 minutes to go by. But when you believe it in your heart that he has stole from you for the last time, your spirit would have got joy because you understand that I'm going to guard my mind. I'm going to guard my heart and he will never steal it again. Amen. Only way he can steal from us is if we let him. Amen. If we let him get to our mind, if we let him get to our, the soul, our, the, 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 the inner man. If we let him get there, he's going to steal each and every time. And you're going to try to figure out why I can't win. Why I can't win this battle? Because he got to your inner man. You never guarded it. Amen. You never guarded it. You just come. See, church is not just coming. The church is not just standing at a back door. It's not taking an offering. It's not emceeing. When we come to church, we come to get an uh, infilling in, uh, of the spirit of God in us that when we leave the church, we'll be able to fight the enemy. Amen. 
See, once we learn that and get that in our spirit, it changes our thinking. Amen. See, we can't think the same way that we thought in 2018. 2018, some of us had some struggles that we could have won if we would have just thought a different way. Amen. Amen. I'm not telling you this for you. I'm telling it for me. I lost some battles that I know I could have won. And after the fact, when God brought me through the situation, he, really, he said that you could have got to this situation a lot faster if you would have just yielded to my spirit. So what am I saying tonight? That we got a war in a different manner. Amen. We can't war in the flesh no longer. This 2019, and I, I tell you how, 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 how God want, wanted to prove this word to me. And I was telling my wife, the other day I was in the Wawa getting a cup of coffee. And this guy walked, first he slammed the door in my face. Out of courtesy, you usually let the person behind you hold it. But he closed it. And you know, it's two doors at the Wawa. So he closed the first door, and I said, okay, okay God, I'll give him the first door. But when he let the second door close, I said, okay, it's like that. Okay, God bless you. And then we was walking through the store, and then he, like, walked and tried to bump into me. And I was like, what is wrong with this, you know? And I said, I know I don't have on, you know, I got on jogging suits because I'm on vacation. I'm chilling with my hoodie, but I still look respectful. Um, and I just couldn't believe it. But see... That's what the enemy does. The enemy comes to antagonize us. Amen. In any way he can antagonize us and get us off the, 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 the plateau that God has us on. Because I told Ricky, I said, I, I, I almost slipped. And I said, I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with this guy. And I said, you know, in my older age, it seemed like my patience is gone. And I'm like, I used to have a wall of patience. And now it's like, yo, the, I said, the D.C. almost came out like, yo, man, you good? Like, you, you almost bumped it to me. You didn't say excuse me or nothing. And I said, okay. And then later, a lady came. We were at uh, um, Kohl's. And we was, I was getting the kids a little drain them something. And this lady just kept looking at me like evil. Like, and I'm saying to myself, like, what is going on? And the Lord said, I just told you that you're going to have to war differently. Amen. You, you're going to have to change your strategy you so used to just walking so happily go lucky nobody looking at you crazy if, if they did you learned how to, to to dismiss it now all of a sudden the devil has put in your mind that this person looking at me goofy this person is talking about you this person the, the boss at work is saying this and saying that and you off your plateau because the enemy has was able to get into that inner man amen so what am i saying tonight again is that we got to take the limits off of God. Amen. And what I mean by that is that we got to believe for the impossible. Amen. If we can't believe God for the impossible, we can't believe him for the possible. Because every challenge that any of us going to get in 2019, it's going to be impossible. The first thing, because I noticed God doesn't give you easy tasks. If he give you easy ones, God bless you. But each task that I had and each trial that I had to go through in 2018 was something that wake me up. Open my eyes up and change my ways. Amen. And that's what God wants us to do. Change our thinking. Because if our thinking is thinking, the enemy is going to have run rampant in our hearts and in our minds. Amen. So we must reestablish our connection with the Father. And that, that Father is God. And, and be what Eve did when she allowed Satan to come in and to get her, uh, get the world off track. God has been trying to get us back to that plateau. And that plateau was where, plateau was where we had dominion. Amen. Where we were, where, when he 
blessed Adam and Eve to be in that garden. He gave them dominion over every cattle, over everything, every living beast, everything, even Satan. Amen. And when that, when, when they fell, when Eve fell, God has been trying to get that a connection reestablished. Where, where he had just free will to talk to Adam, talk to Eve. You know, uh, you know how it was when, when Adam, uh, when God called and Adam says, well, you know, when God asked him a question, well, you know, it's that girl you get, the wife you gave me, you know, blame game and all this other stuff has entered in. But God says, I want to reconnect you to the authority and dominion that I've given you in the earth. Amen. So in 2019, going into this new year, we must learn to fight back. Not with our tactics, but with the tactics of the Lord. Amen. And we must strategize against the enemy. Amen. Because the enemy, believe me, he's not sitting back, you know, saying, I'm going to get him this way. I'm going to get him that way. But we must be watchful. I remember in Bible study and, and on Wednesday nights, the Lord was telling the church to be watchful and to pray and, and to, to be ready for the onset onslaught of the enemy amen and then i re, I, I chose uh, a scripture and um i talked about gideon and how he selected his people and how god instructed him when he selected the last 300 he selected 300 people that were watchful a lot of people missed that that a lot of like a lot of the guys when he said look i want you to take the men that will will lap the water and I think I shared this before over this pulpit that God wants people to be watchful. Amen. He, restoration. We need some watchtower prayer warriors. Amen. And what I mean by that is that Saturday is integral to the movement of our church. Amen. Saturday is not just another day where we just come and read some scriptures and think about what we're trying to do or try or say hi to this friend. But when we come in here on Saturdays, we come in here to set ablaze the fire in this house, amen. So when we come, we are praying, God, pull down every stronghold that is hindering this church. Pull down every stronghold that is hindering the lives of families. Pull down every sickness. Pull down every disease. We're praying for our country. We're praying for our nation. We're bringing healing to our nation through a little room. They even call this a little church, amen. But it's a powerful church because the Holy Spirit rests here, amen. So we, when we come in on Saturday, we're bringing strongholds down, amen. And we're calling forth the things of God, amen. So, so it's not a simple thing as I'm just going to come to prayer. No, you come to prayer with your war clothes on, amen. You come in here ready to walk around this church, ready to get dirty and sloppy for the Lord. Because when we get finished, heaven is going to know that it was some people praying in in Sicklerville, New Jersey, amen? And then he's going to not only know that some things have been praying in Sicklerville, but he's going to bring change to our community. Why? Because we begin to take it back first through prayer, amen? And I, I, I have to steal this. I was watching a program, and I love uh, this particular gentleman that preaches, and pastor may know where I'm, where I'm going. I'm not sure if she watched it, but uh, this particular pastor is talking about prayer. And he said there's three things that we must do in prayer. And the first thing was that we must choose a place to meet them. Amen. To meet God. Many of us call that a prayer closet. It could be your hair hayloft as overseer always referred to. It could be a, a front living room, a couch, wherever it may be. But we must choose a place to come to meet the Lord each and every day. And the second thing he said was that we must be committed. Amen. And, and the second thing was committed, but it was actually time. 
He said, pick a time and be consistent with that time to meet the Lord. Amen. And thirdly, that's when he said we must be consistent. It's not an every now and then time to meet the Lord. But if we be consistent, we'll meet him in the same place. We'll meet him at the same time. And we will meet him at the, uh, at the appropriate time to bring about change in this community. Amen. So what am I saying today is that we must, we have to begin to pray. Amen. See, see, I remember years ago, and I never forget it, uh, T.D. Jakes um, brought a message that, uh, um, about the pastors and that, that how he had people around him that see the backside of what he goes through. But these people never share what they, have, what they see behind closed doors, but they pray. Amen. They, they pray for me. They, they pray for him. And what am I saying? That our pastors, we must pray for them. Amen. That, you know, they're under attack constantly 24 hours a day. Amen. So we must be on our knees when God calls us to pray for them and lift them up in the name of Jesus. Amen. That got quiet, kind of, got kind of quiet. But okay, but yeah, we're going to pray for our pastors. Amen. You guys got very quiet right there, but okay. Um, I know it ain't excitement, but you're supposed to pray for your leadership. Amen. It, why wouldn't you pray for your leadership? Because when the Lord give you a word and you go to your pastor and overseer, they're going to know already because God gave it to them first. So if you out here tripping, the word ain't going to get to them. So when you come to them, you're going to be like, well, they ain't trying to help nobody. Or, or I ain't called. You know, you're going to be going through all these motions because you ain't lifting them up. You're just talking about them. No, our job is to pray for them because they, that's why in the book of Acts, they had to choose out deacons, amen? And, and, and the, the deacons were going to take care of all the work in the church, amen? And the pastors were going to be devoted to prayer and fasting and preparing the word of God. And why would they need to do all of that? So that they can bring a word that would reach your soul. That they would bring a word, word to encourage you, to motivate you, to change your mind, to change your heart, to change your thinking. So that's why we have to lift them up. Because when they get up... they that they, God is getting up with them to help us in every situation. Amen. And I always go back to when I hear people say, well, I ain't learning nothing at restoration. Why? Because you didn't want to. Amen. I, I'm be honest. I hear, you know, hear different people. I ain't learning. You know, ain't nothing happening over there. I choose to say I beg to differ. Amen. And it's not because they're my in-law, former in-laws. They, they're my mom and dad. They're always going to be my mom and dad. So regardless of that, they're mom and dad. So it's not because of mom and dad. It's because this is where I found my growth. This is where I found how to battle the enemy. Amen. I, when I wanted to preach and, and teach and do all these different things, it wasn't time. And they would just say, if it was time, it would come. And the overseer would always tell me that, you know, be encouraged. Uh, uh, I remember you uh, sitting on the porch. And, um, and when I went down, he came down one time, and i never forget it because I still had that Bible. He gave me a Bible. He saw something in me that I didn't even know even existed. Amen. I just thought, you know, that I'm supposed to just hang out in church. Amen. I had no idea. <laughs> 30 years later, I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Why? Because God wants to use the, the impossible things, the people that God say are nothing, the people that God, the enemy says that come from the wrong side of the railroad tracks. He wanted to use those people because they won't get it twisted when God start using them. Amen. And that's what happens with, with people that want, when they get in the church and they say, I ain't growing. It's because they done outgrown 
their own thinking because they think they got it going on. And that goes right back to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. The reason why Paul had to address and, and put this this way, because the people did not respect his leadership. And he tried. He, I love the apostle Paul. He broke it down in such a way not to offend them, but to let them know that I could let you know that I am an apostle of the apostles. Amen. I was knocked off a horse and Jesus met me directly and gave me this word of God. I don't have to stand here tripping with you. I'm just going to let you know that I'm going to cast down every every imagination and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'm just going to cast it down because I don't got time for that. I can let you know who I am. I can spill it out to you that I was trained by one of the top priests, that I went through school and I got college and I got all this other stuff. I got it going on, but I don't need to let you know that. God is the one that's going to let you know, and you're going to know that you talk to me because God is going to reveal it to you. Amen? So that's how we know when God is moving, when you get out of the way and you let God do his thing. Amen? So you can grow at restoration. Amen. You can become who God called you to be in restoration. Amen. Your gift, your talent can be used. And when God, if if it is supposed to minister out or whatever it may be, God will reveal it. And it will be, as they say, like clockwork. Amen. That when it's revealed, then you move. You do. You do. And that's one thing I love about overseer and pastor. They never hold people back if they have been instructed by God to do something. If God told you to do it, then do it. Amen. So, man, I'm like, 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 uh, just, just running right now. Um, anyway, okay. So, when the enemy comes with crazy thoughts and patterns in our life, God reminds us that we must now quote His word back. Quote God's word back to the enemy. Amen. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, he, he didn't um, say who he was. Or he just, he didn't, you know, he just told him and quoted back to Satan what God says. And what happens when after he recorded the word back to, what, to the enemy, the Bible tells us that Satan began to leave. He left. That kind of reminds me of, um, of, of uh, one of my favorite persons in the Bible, Joseph. When an enemy came through the wife, and the Bible says that he didn't say nothing, but he ran. Amen? And you say, why am I going to run from the enemy? What I'm saying is that sometimes we got to run in our mind from what the enemy is trying to do. Amen? That is a prime example of how the enemy wanted to trip up Joseph with, the, with, with, the, with his boss's wife, but he ran away. Amen? But what, I, what I'm seeing in the spirit just, just now, the Lord just revealed it to me. He ran away, but he ran to his destiny. Amen? Because his running would now take him to a pit. Amen? It would now put him in jail. Amen? Not a pit, but put him in jail. And then in jail, you know, he, he met the people and they disrespected him, forgot all about him. But what happened? When it came time for him to be promoted to the second in command and, and, and come from a prison and not from Egypt, when God was ready to put him in place, what happened? No one could bring the answer but him. And when he went before Pharaoh and gave Pharaoh the answer, 
Pharaoh, what? Says, look, I'm going to take off my ring. I'm going to put you in second command. I'm going to give you a robe. You ride next to me. And now you are in charge. Amen. And then we go, we go a little further. We get to Genesis chapter 50. And when David confronted his brothers about, you know, the whole situation, he said, no, 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 no. You thought it was evil against me. But no, God was working, working it out for me and putting me in a place where I needed to be to save much people alive. Amen. So sometimes we're going to run away from the situation, but we're running right smack dab into our destiny in the Lord. Amen. We don't know what's going on. We just warn in the spirit. We just fighting for fighting for what's right. Amen. And we're going to continue to fight for what's right. And when we fight for what's right, all of a sudden you're smack dab into what God wants you to do. Amen. At my worst time, I said, Lord, what are you doing? But at that time, God says, no, I'm opening up what I want you to do. You can't see what I want you to do. You can't see where I want to take you because the enemy has you blinded. But when you dismiss those evil thoughts, when you dismiss the evil mind, when you dismiss it, all of a sudden you can see God working on your behalf. Isaiah 53 and 5, we must learn to quote God's word back. It says here, when he says you are not healed, the enemy, you tell him, no, according to Isaiah 53 and 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, my, of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So devil, get out of my mind. I am healed. I am delivered. I am set free. Your blood flows through me because God's word said so. And then when the enemy tells you you're nothing, you can quote back to him Psalms 139. 14 through 17, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, in that book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. Oh, God, how great is the sum of them all. Amen. So you are wonderful. Amen. You are skillfully created. Amen. You may have the DNA of, of, the, of a Jones or Anderson's or whatever your last name may be. But how many know that when you get saved, all of a sudden the blood, the blood, your DNA changes. All of a sudden you get a blood transfusion. All of a sudden the blood of Jesus is now flowing through you. And he lets you know that, look, boy, look, girl, I created you. When anybody tells you you're nothing, you tell them you are something because God don't make junk. Amen. I may not look the best. I may not dress the best, but I am what God called me to be. Amen. Because I was wonderfully and skillfully created amen now, now, now that's some work that's not something just putting something together amen you know how sometimes when you want to run to the store you just throw something on no this was orchestrated that I'm going to take my time I'm going to let I'm going to be skillful in this situation because I want the world to know that I created you not only do I want the world to know but I want you to know that you are somebody when the enemy tells you you will never make it into your future. And this is my favorite. You can quote back Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. 
Amen. Not some uh, made up in or some thought about in, but an expected in. Amen. And that leads me back to one of my other favorite scriptures that Jesus says that I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Amen. So he knows all about me because he was in the beginning. And he will be at the end. And when we meet him at the end, which we find out in Revelations, that it's going to be a joyous occasion. Amen. We're going to have white robes waiting for us. We're going to be ruling with our master, Jesus. Amen. We're going to be in a situation where you're going to be like, oh, I, I am royalty. Amen. But what God is trying to teach us tonight is that we must think that we're royalty now. Because when you start acting like you're royalty now, when you get to heaven, it's not going to be any different than what you did down here on this earth. And what I mean by that is not being cocky, not being arrogant, not being conceited, but to know in whom you believe. Amen. And that's why when, when you go back to, to uh, a few months ago when I brought the sermon, I'm building a, a memorial of trust. Amen. See, when you have that memorial of trust, no matter what the enemy throws at you, all of a sudden, you're going to go back to that memorial where he delivered you the first time, where he delivered you the second time, delivered you the third, fourth, fifth, some of us even 100, 200, whatever it may be. You're going to have it in your remembrance. And so when the enemy comes at your mind and now to tell you that, look, God ain't there, God ain't with you, you can say, oh, no, no, no. I can go back to 1986, uh, uh, this day, September, or this day in November, or this day, 89, 90, or whatever, and say, this is the day that God saved me, or this is the day when I got full knowledge of who Christ was. This is the day when God began to reveal his mysteries unto the spirit, man, and within us. This is the day that my children were saved. This is the day that I got healed. Somebody else got healed. It will, you will have memorials of trust. So when the enemy comes, you're going to let him know, I'm okay, because I'm just going to trust God. Amen. Now, you say, what about my desires? Well, that's easy to solve. When the enemy comes and talks about uh, that, 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 that God will never give you the desires of your heart, you quote back Psalms 37, 4 and 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Amen. Delight yourself in the Lord. Amen. If, if you want the desires of your heart to be met, delight yourself in the Lord. And that even takes you to, to Matthew 6 and, and 33, where it tells you, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all the things shall be added unto thee. Amen. See, so it starts with us first seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. Finding that time to spend with him. Finding that time to do warfare in the spirit realm for our families, for each other, for our husbands, for our wives, for our children, for our church. It, it starts there. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the things you've been praying about, the things you've been, been, been desiring, all of a sudden they come. Amen. And you're like, God, thank you. And what I love about it is that when God does it, you know it's him. Amen. Because you probably don't have the finances. You may not have the education. You may not have the background. But when God opens the door, no man can close it. Amen. So we know it's God. So when the enemy comes at our mind, we're just going to quote the scripture back to him and let him know that, look, you got to go back to hell where you belong because we are men and women of God. We are children of the most high God. We are royalty so don't, don't come here with that nonsense. The, the, you know, the children got the slang and all that. You know, go back here, go back there. I probably can't even say what they say. Um, but anyway, we're going to let the devil know in our mind 
no longer is open for business. Um, <clears throat> let, let's look at some, some of the other scriptures God placed on my heart that Saturday morning, um, which I talked about. Eve in the garden in Genesis 3, 1 through 11. Uh, uh, Satan, uh, Eve allowed Satan to tempt her by getting her to doubt God's goodness. He implied that God was strict, stingy, and selfish for not wanting Eve to share his knowledge of good and evil. Satan made Eve forget all that God had given her and instead focus on what God had forbidden. When we fall into trouble, two, when we dwell on what God forbids rather than on the countless blessings and promises God has already given us. The next time you're feeling sorry for yourself, over what you don't have, consider all you do have and thank God, then your doubts won't lead you into sin. Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, when Moses was being called by God, Moses began to question God because he was questioning him because of his inadequacies. Moses made excuses because he felt inadequate for the job. God asked him to do it. It was natural for him to feel that way. He was inadequate all by himself. But God wasn't asking Moses to work alone. He offered other resources to help. First, God himself, Aaron, in the ability to do miracles. But yet Moses still felt limited because he was trying to rely on his own strength. Amen. Because the enemy got in his mind. You can't teach or you can't preach or you can't lead the Bible study or you can't lead somebody to Christ or you can't go street witnessing. And, 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 it, and it causes you to feel like you're limitless, amen, like that you're limited, that you don't have the ability to do all those things because that's what the enemy wants you to do. He doesn't want you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to feel like you can lead someone to Christ. He doesn't want you to feel like that you have an inheritance waiting for you. He don't want you to know who you are in Christ. So he's going to always try to put limits on what you, how and what you can do. Amen. And, and, and I am a prime example. I, I, I tell you, and I, I'm not afraid to say that I, I barely made it out of 12th grade. Amen. And I never forget my, um, my, uh, my 12th grade printing teacher. I, I was in his class in, uh, from 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And I'll never forget him. His name was Kenneth Springfield. And he was teaching me the printing trade. And the 12th, in my 12th grade year, um, the, the person that had the most knowledge in printing in that area would lead the print shop, amen? And I'm all, you know, not really paying attention. I'm all trying to play football, trying to play basketball. So I, I kept flunking this Spanish class. And I, I just could not pass this teacher. So I felt it in 10th grade. Then 11th grade, I didn't do it because we moved. And I, I, so I got it incomplete. But I had to take it to graduate. And I took this class, Spanish, and I felt the lady just hated my guts. Just, she just despised me for whatever reason. And I think I'm a good person. I don't do any evil. This teacher just hated me. So um, at gradu uh, I, well, before graduation, um, I got a call to the office. And um, they said that I had to go to summer school. I wasn't going to graduate. So uh, the graduation was the next day. My best friend calls says, Kenny, why are you not at graduation? They called your name. Where was you at? We all like, Kenny, Kenny. And you know we're around. And I says, man, I got to go to summer school. I wasn't supposed to graduate. So we go to the school the next day, me and my mom. And my mom, she's a little hot-headed. You know, I love her to death. You know, you ain't going to mess with her son. <laughs> Amen. 
Um, she go into the school, talk to the principal, and he says, no, he graduated. Um, the F there was somehow a C. And I never paid no attention, so until I went to go to college, I had to get the transcript. And you can actually see on the transcript where they crossed out the F and put a C there for me to pass. Later in life, I realized that my printing teacher, Kenneth Springfield, went to this teacher and told her, don't hold him back. Don't keep him back. He don't need summer school. He all right. He ain't going to need Spanish out there. You know, he ain't going to need all that. And then they gave me my diploma, and I walked out, and I was happy, and I was good. But like I said, later in life, I realized that it was my printing teacher, because my mom, and we've always been trying to figure out how that F got crossed out into a C for me to graduate. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit revealed that it was your Kenneth Springfield. He went to that teacher and had it changed. And see, this is how God works. He works in mysterious ways. Amen. I had no idea that, that I was going to need eventually go back to school. And because I got that C, I was able to get into college. And I didn't, I don't want no, I didn't want no college or anything, but it was necessary for what God was going to do for me. Amen. So what am I saying? Don't let the enemy tell you you're nothing. Apply yourself. I had to wait until I was 21 to start applying myself. I just thought the system was against me, the white man, as they say, that they're going to hold me back. But yet, later in life, I realized that if I didn't go to class, how can I blame it on the white man? If I didn't go to class, if I don't go looking for a job, how can I say the white man is stopping me from getting a job if I don't put no applications out, I didn't do any knowledge or any research or any, nothing, but yet I'm going to blame it on somebody else because that's how the enemy does. The enemy wants to switch the blame from you to someone else. At some point in our lives, we got to take, take ownership on why we not where God wants us to be. Whether it's not praying enough, whether it's not fasting enough, whether it's not reading his word. At some point, we got to take ownership and stop saying it's somebody else's fault that I'm not where God wants me to be. Amen? Amen? Do you believe that? At some point, at some time, you got to say, look, I got to do better. I got to do better with my attitude. You know, I got to do better with my children. I got to do better. I got to have patience. I got to have endurance. I can't flip every time something happened that I don't like or, or whatever because the enemy then, he has that trigger. And each time, you know, it, it, it's a trigger. I have a trigger. And, yeah, a lot of people say, oh, Kenny, you don't got nothing wrong with you. You good. My wife would to let you know. Uh, I got a trigger. And sometimes I got to repent and say, God, forgive me. You know, I flew off the handle. Amen? Because we're human. And that's something that I'm learning even the more that I'm human. I can, I'm capable of a mistake. I'm capable of saying something that I thought that, 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 that my thinking was wrong and I repent of it once God revealed it to me. I want to make it right because he's revealing it to you for a reason so you won't repeat the same mistake. Amen? So going forward, we're going to wind this down. Um, we have about 20 minutes before 12. It's something um, God, God said, do it this way. And I was trying to figure out how to, to let, let you know that when we learn how God works, in a computer business, um, you have things that happen consistently. 
So if you fix it the first time, you probably will know how to fix that same problem the second time, the third time, fourth time. So each time a problem will come up, if you have any experience with that problem before, you know how to handle it. Amen. So God began to reveal to me the same way when people say that, 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 wow, man, you awesome. You know how to fix all this stuff. You know how to do all this stuff. They don't know that I did it a hundred times before this time. So now I know exactly what to look for. Amen. So now it's the same way spiritually. When the enemy comes, you know how you're going to come. Amen. All of a sudden, because you handled it before. Amen. God showed you how to win the battle before. So each time the enemy comes with the same mess, the same stuff, all of a sudden, oh, I, I, I got you, devil. I know what you're doing. All right. If I go this route and I do this and do that, I'm going to be all right. If I do this or do that, I'm going to be healed in my body. If I do this or that, I'm going to be okay. Why? Because you have won the victory previously. And each time we win the battle it's going to help us with each additional battle that we're going to go through. Amen? All right. Um, all right. Where are we at? All right. We're down here. Um, we must learn to live in the present and not the past. How many of us have come to the end of, two, of the year 2018 thinking about the job we wanted that we may not have gotten? The bank account we were looking forward to have at the end of the year, the healing of our body that may not have presented itself as being healed yet. We're going into the new year, and the past is just that. We are looking forward to the new year just as the Israelites were expecting the promised land to be theirs. In Joshua 1 and 7, uh, it talks about um, when they got ready to go into the promised land, and it says here, Jesus had to put forth 40 years of thinking out of his mind to get into Canaan. Because 40 years before, he went with two, with 10 other spies. And only him and Caleb came back with a good report. Amen. But if he chose to live in the past, he would have walked with the other Israelites 40 years and died off. And he would have never made it into the promised land. So he had to learn to live in the now and realize that, no, he said, no, no, no. We well able to take the land. Amen. We are we, we're not grasshoppers, as the other people say. No, no, no. We're men and women of God and we serve a mighty God and God is going to give us this land. Him and Caleb had the only report. If they would have lived in the past, they would have never made it into their future. Amen. Because they would have been stuck saying, we just grasshoppers, you know. We just come from the wrong side of the railroad tracks. Ah, my family is this. Ah, I got diabetes because of this. Or I got this or I got that. No, we got to live in the present because God is our present help in times of trouble. Amen. His mercies are new each and every day. Every day you get up. New mercies are given out to you, not stale, not yesterday's. And I love about that, that each morning his mercies are new. Amen. They not remanufactured. They not some yesterday mercy, but it's new mercies each and every day we wake up. When we leave our house, when we actually when we wake up in the morning, God is saying, look, I gave you another 24 hours to do something great for me. Amen. And my mercies are going to be new. Amen. And point two, we have to believe God in every circumstance. We have to learn to believe God in every circumstance in 2019. The Bible tells us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. 
Just as God was with Moses, he would also be with Joshua in, in uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. So God will also be with us this day. So God also will be with us in our darkest night. He is there in the severest battle. He is present. And the most difficult task we ever face, he will always be there and never abandon us. By his very nature, God will not desert <laughs> his people. When he gives them a task, even if the situation seems impossible, God's presence will be strongly apparent. God is the great equalizer. His presence makes the difference in helping people accomplish great tasks. A shepherd boy named David faced and defeated the giant hero of Philistine because he believed God was with him to give him the victory. Daniel was safe among fierce lions because God was with him through the night and held the mouths of the lions closed. Three young Hebrew boys survived the fiery furnace of the king because they would not bow down and acknowledge someone else as their God. God was with them in the fire. And we know the story because the, the king says, didn't I put three men in? But I see a fourth, amen, walking with them in the fire, amen. So that let me know that when we go through our hard times, amen, Jesus is with us. He's right there in the fire with us. And, and, and before we get to this next point, I, I always state this, I always love it because it taught me a lesson. I remember when I taught my first Sunday school class, I'll never forget it, it was at the old church over there, and I was so excited, all oh, happy about it, and I, re I remember I had just got an email, and it had the, um, the footprints in the sand, and I went in there, and I was all excited, like, God is with us, do you see this stuff? Like, like, like you, it's one set of footprints, it was two, but then it became one, and, and it let us know that God was with us, and the people were looking like, and, I, and it hit me like, man, they don't got the same statement. Like, do they know that when you go through your most difficult situation, that God is the one carrying you through the situation? There's no longer two sets of footprints. All of a sudden, there's one set of footprints. And to this day, I live by it that when I'm going through trouble, it's only going to be one set of footprints carrying me over to victory. Amen. Because Jesus is going to pick you up and take you to the other side. And Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3, another thing that we must learn to do is go forward. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, You have compassed this mountain long enough. Turn ye northward. Amen. And what God was telling the children of Israel, that they have marched around this mountain too long. Amen. It's time to get up and go forward. Amen. In our hearts, it's time for us to get up and to go forward. God has placed some stuff in each and everyone's heart in this place. But we are so afraid to go forth. We just continue to march in a circle because we are afraid of what the enemy may do. We are afraid that it may not work. We are afraid that if I say something about God, I may not be uh, looked upon the same way. Whatever it may be, God is letting us know you have come past this mountain long enough. It's time for you to get up and go forward. Amen. In closing, procrastination is the death blow to anybody moving forward. I do it later after I get organized. I have been rejected so many times I don't want to apply for another job. If I can't do it perfectly, I won't even start. 
I'm reminded of Thomas Edison. When developing the light bulb, his teacher said he was too stupid to learn anything. He was fired from two jobs for being non-productive. And when he switched his career to that of an inventor, he made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at trying to invent the light. But on the 1,001 try, he was able to create the light bulb. And we have the technology of lights today because someone did not give up when the teacher told him that they were never mouth to nothing. Did not give up when he lost two jobs. Did not give up. He knew something was in him. And when he switched that career and started doing what God placed in his heart, even though he had 1,000 failures, he still, on the 1,001 try, God was able to let him know, I'm with you, boy, and this is what I placed in your heart to create. Amen? So what am I saying with that? That, that God is going to, if we make an effort and do not procrastinate, God is going to work something out for us that we've been trying to do in our own power for too long. Amen. He's going to open up and do it. I close with this. Uh, on October 14th, I had um, made a statement uh, to the church at the end of service. And in that, at the end of that service, I, I said that we must learn to take the limits off of God. Change our thinking we're going to change our world. God said to my spirit, and, I, and I, I love God, and this is where I get like overjoyed that the Holy Spirit can reveal to what God, the heart of God. He said, I told you that on October 14th. I spoke to you on December 8th back at the back window. They coincide because what God is saying is that we have to change our thinking we can't war the same way. He's, what he's saying is that when we limit God by our thinking, amen, God is saying that I don't want you to put any limits on me any longer. Um, Israel Houghton, they sing a song, and I love this song, Take the Limits Off. And it starts off with God speaking to, to, to us in a song, that, and it says that we must take the limits off of what I can do. And what I mean by that is if you think you can't be healed, then you won't be healed. If you think that you can't have the proper finances, then you won't have them. If you think that you can't get the job of your heart, if you think in your mind that you can't find a good mate or you can't have this or have that, the enemy is going to win. But when you take the limits off and you allow God to work on your behalf, there is nothing that is impossible for our God. Amen. Because why? The greater one lives within us. Amen. And if the greater one is living within us, all of a sudden things will open on your behalf because the greater one will not fail you. The greater one will not let you be embarrassed. The greater one will not let you fall faulty. The greater one will lift you up and let the world know that you are his child. You are his daughter. You are who God called you to be. So, as stated, I'm not sure where overseeing pastor is going to go with, with the church for the direction. I'm just encouraging us tonight that we must learn to war differently in 2019. We must cast down every thought, every imagination, thing that come into our heart that, ca that, that will cause division 
against the, against the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We got to cast it out. And if we begin to cast it out, all of a sudden we can uh, put on Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God. And when you put on a whole armor of God, it's, we, 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 we're done um, because we, we, we're done. But read Ephesians 6. Amen. Because we've been up too long. If we read Ephesians 6, and it's going to let you know that when you begin to put on the whole armor of God, when the enemy throws the fiery darts at you, what happens? You put up the shield of faith. Amen. When, when you need the, 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 the feet, amen, the, 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 the shoes that you put on is the preparation and the, the, the preaching of the gospel. Amen. When you put on the helmet of salvation, it's letting you know that you are saved, that you do have eternal life. And when the enemy comes to tell you that you, you're going to die and go off this earth, no, you have on a helmet of salvation letting the world know that, that I'm going to make it into heaven. Because the spirit of God resides in this helmet. Amen. And closing, it's only one defensive thing that is on the body armor, right? Everything else is, I'm sorry, everything else is defensive. But it's only one offensive thing. And that offensive thing that is on that armor is the sword of the spirit. And it's meant to be swung. Amen. It's not meant to sit, stay in, they say seat. Amen. It's, it's, Jason would know all about the Game of Thrones and all that stuff. It's not meant to stay on your side. Amen. It comes a time where you're going to have to wield your sword. And what, but what does that mean? There's going to come a time where you got to swing the word of God at the enemy. Letting them know that you are who God calls you to be. Letting them know that you are a child of the Most High God. It's going to come a time where you're going to have to swing the word. And cut up the devil with the sword of the spirit. Amen. We're done. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, we have about 10 minutes before we go into the new year. You might as well start praising God now. I'm not sure what Overseer is going to do. But, but you don't want to go into the new year with doubt. You don't want to go into the new year with a lame spirit. But you want to go into the new year with a live, a live spirit. Amen. Live and working. Amen. I got to say this. Trains. A locomotive. And this is what God was speaking to me earlier. That a train. A locomotive. Right. It's over 100 cars on that locomotive. Right. And it takes over... An hour to stop a locomotive once it picks us up momentum. Amen. So what God was speaking to me to let us know in closing is this, that, that we're going to enter into the new year with momentum. Amen. And when we pick up this momentum, the enemy won't be able to stop it because it's going to have so much momentum, it's going to propel us to the end finish line in 2019. Amen. That, that, that it's going to take more than five cars to stop this momentum. It's going to take more than a devil telling me that I'm nothing to stop this train. It's going to take more than a broken leg or, or a broken spirit to, to, to stop this train. Amen because we're going to build up the momentum that carry us throughout the year of 2019. Amen. So if you believe that, you should start praising God for the victory for 2019. Amen. We're going to war in the spirit. Oh, is that, I thought that's what that was. Yes. <laughs>